Hope you're all doing well. I'll tell you that that song, that's such a good song. That's a sermon in itself. Amen. Well, as you know, I'd like to encourage you guys to read the Word of God. And today I'm giving you a little bit, a different angle on it. Read Psalm 107. Psalm 107 and look at verse 43. That's that last verse in that psalm. Look at it and see if you can understand or pick up on what it's trying to get you to look at and see. So you read that last verse and you go back and read Psalm 107 and see if there's a theme that picks up. Especially in light of today's message, I encourage you, look at Psalm 107, read verse 43. And then lastly... How are you doing with the prayers? Are you doing, are you praying every day? If you missed it, I have missed it in the past. So if you missed it, it's okay. Just keep going. Just keep praying. Because, you know, finding a prayer partner is, is uh, remember, it doesn't make us saved. Reading the Bible doesn't make you saved. It just reminds you that you are saved and there's one that loves you. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you today uh, just asking your blessing and to, to be placed upon us, Lord, and really, just help us realize the blessings that we act that we have in you, that we can see your hand in our life, that that is just exposed, and we just everywhere we look, we just can see your hand. Lord, help us to have that perspective and that understanding. God, be with those who are not here with us today. Uh, remind them that we love them, and we're praying for them. God, would be with those churches that are meeting around the world, especially ones that are under, that are under heavy persecution, that are hiding, that, that are having hard times just trying to find ways of coming together. God, we, we want to uplift them. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. There is one body, Lord, one, one church in the name of Jesus. And anyone who places faith in you is our brother and sister. So, God, we pray for all of them across the world. We pray for the missionaries. We pray for the churches that are meeting here in America in whatever capacity that may be. God, we also ask that you just convict us of our sins. God, there are so many sins we do in our life that we don't even realize. They just become habit. We think it's the norm, that it's a standard way of living, but it's not. God, convict us. Reveal it to us through your word so we can run to your cross, run to Jesus And know that we have been forgiven by faith in him so we can turn away from those sins. And then fill us with love, hope, and peace so we can consistently live out the faith before you, Lord. Thank you so much for loving us and giving us life today and granting us this day and this moment to be together. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the the gospel message, it's one that's supposed to produce hope in us. You know, produce comfort in us, produce peace and, and security. It's a message that is supposed to uh, free you from this world, and it's supposed to give you rest. You know, it's, it's one, it's a message that makes every moment of our life meaningful and every day full of purpose. It's not a message that, that creates burdens that suffocate you but one that is supposed to release your burden so you can start breathing and living. You know, the message of this gospel is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's not a check-off list for you to fulfill. But it's one that says the list has been completed and fulfilled in Christ through faith in Him alone. It is a message that says you are completely free in Christ. 
That nothing brought against you will destroy you. That nothing that, will, that opposes you will defeat you. For all has been conquered by Jesus through faith in Him. Your life now is fully secure in Christ Jesus so that whatever comes your way, whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever inconsistencies come about, that no matter how hard you mess up, that no matter how much you fall into sin, that any of it and all of it now only works out for your good in Christ Jesus through faith in Him. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. See, as, as a pastor, one of my main or core purposes is to always point you to Jesus and to remind you of the full forgiveness that you have in him. The, and to remind you of the complete restoration that you now have with God by faith in him alone. To remind you, as Christ said from the cross in John 19 30, it is finished. So you can be at rest now in Christ and let go of carrying this world, this burden of sin. <clears throat> To say, look, if you have faith in Christ, it's all going to be okay. You know, I'm here to encourage you in the gospel message of God's grace over you now and to invite others to invite, uh, to, to come along with us in believing in this glorious message of grace. Look, when you leave this place and the world starts to beat you up and point out your inconsistencies and harp on your failures, saying things like, You must be like them or must adhere to their expectations that you must live like them to have any meaning or purpose here in this world. To have freedom in this world, you got to be like them. I'm here to remind you that is not true. This world cannot give you true meaning. They cannot give you true purpose. They cannot give you true freedom. All this world has to offer, and I'm saying Everything this world has to offer, from its politics, from its philosophies, from its virtues, from its morals, from its supposed peace, from its supposed comforts and hopes and pleasures, all of it are just things that will break you down and create such a burden upon you that will only cause you to be trapped, to live in fear and hate of everyone else around you and in fear and hate of even yourself. There's only one that can offer you true purpose and give you meaning and freedom, true freedom. And I'm here to remind you that is Jesus. We get all of that through having faith in Jesus alone. Or when a loved one, maybe a loved one or loved ones that are closest to you, reject you because of past mistakes that they just won't let go but keep bringing up against you. Or if they are rude to you and inconsiderate of you and maybe have even abandoned you because of your current failures that you are struggling with. That, if you, that, that you end up feeling alone and like you're worthless and, and your life doesn't matter much at all because they won't bring you into their life. But hold up a hand against you because of their judgment against you because you have messed up. So you're out. 
I'm here to tell you that through faith in Christ, you have all the love and the respect and the attention and the purpose and the worth that you will ever need. Just look to Jesus, for your name was upon His mind, upon the cross. He thought of you so you could be brought into His family for eternity and be loved by Him for eternity when no one else would. Or maybe you're dealing with something much worse. Something much closer to you that even those around you can't even get that close to you. That they don't even realize what's going on. Maybe the one who beats you up and destroys you most is yourself. And all you can see is your faults. All you can see is your failures. Because you know what your heart is. You know what's in there. You know what addictions you're having a hard time breaking. You know that guilt that keeps popping up. You know that tomorrow you're going to have to face that same thing or same person again, and you know you're probably going to fail again, but you don't want to, but it has happened so many times that you're starting to think maybe there's no hope for you, and you're getting exhausted with trying to put on a good face, but deep inside you feel like such a burden and failure to those around you. Even if they don't see it, you do, and you start thinking that you're being a burden to the Lord, and he's getting angry with you because you keep failing him so you think he might leave you. Listen, I'm here to remind you that through faith in Christ you are more loved than you realize and you are not a burden to the Lord but his child who loves you passionately. Listen. See, as a pastor, I'm here to tell the tired and the broken and those who feel hopeless and and exhausted and are burdened and are weak. They're having a hard time. I'm here to tell you that all has been met in Jesus Christ through faith in Him alone. There is no requirement upon you to do anything. Just trust in Jesus. Trust in Him and not in yourself. I'm here to tell you that if you have even the smallest, tiniest, most fragile strain of faith in Him, that you are deeply loved by God and favored by Him and you can have rest and peace in this world regardless of what your life may look like currently. That no matter what addictions you are dealing with or what relational train wrecks that you have in your life or what foolish choices you have made or or, or seemingly keep making, that even with your failures as maybe a parent or grandparent or your failures as a spouse or failed marriage or marriages, that even with those horrid things that maybe you say about people and judgments you make upon people who you don't even know, but they're made in the image of God, but you're just so angry because of everything that's going on around you. That despite whatever you have done in your past that you keep down inside and you don't speak of much at all, you don't want to talk about it, I'm here to tell you that God loves you, He loves sinners, and He has done everything for you through faith in Christ. 
I'm here to remind you every week that you are saved and your sins are not big enough to keep God's love away from you through faith in Jesus alone. You are not saved by the quality or quantity of your faith. You are saved by the one in whom your faith is in, Jesus alone. Nothing more and nothing less. Just Jesus. So you don't need to live in shame or guilt, worry or fear or anger or discouragement. You can freely and abundantly live by faith in Christ. For the gospel says all has been finished in Christ through faith in him. You don't, we don't have to go around this world desperately looking under every nook and cranny to find something to bring us satisfaction in this world so that we can have contentment in our life, so that we can have a peace of mind, even if it is just for a moment. We don't have to look for the latest and greatest news or thing of the day to provide some type of hope for our future or your future as a person. We don't have to go frantically about making up for our past mistakes to establish some stability in our life now. For we are God's children now by faith in Jesus. He is our satisfaction. He is our contentment. He is our hope. He is our peace of mind. He is the source of all these things, especially when we blow it or are faced with trials and temptations or persecutions. We no longer need to be enslaved to anything, but can face everything as free people in Jesus Christ. For in Jesus and through Jesus, we are, not a, we are now a part of something much bigger than anything this world has to offer. We are now involved with something so much greater than anything this world can contain. We now represent and are now spiritually in the majestic kingdom of God. Solely by having faith in Jesus. Christ has brought us up out of the world of darkness and into his marvelous light. Not because of anything we have done, but simply out of his grace over us. Through faith in him. Even as we fumble and mumble about our daily lives. We are the people of the Lord by faith in Jesus, not by what we do for Jesus, but by having faith in Jesus. That's it. That's what makes the gospel such great news. God graciously gives us all the blessings, all the promises. He gives us the kingdom simply because He loves us, even though we do not deserve it and we in ourselves do not measure up in receiving it. We shouldn't even be there. But He loves giving it to us anyways. He enjoys giving us His kingdom, letting us take part in His kingdom as His beloved children. Luke Luke chapter 12, verse 32 says, Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Why would God do such a thing? Why would He give us such wonderful things? Why would He give us His love? Why would God do all of this? I mean, when you think of it, what is the point? I mean, God has made us alive and He has brought us into His kingdom to have an everlasting presence with Him as His children. 
He is taking care of us now, even as we fail Him now and are not faithful to Him now. But He stays faithful to us to bring us to Him for eternity so that one day we will be without sin. But that's in the future, right? We still sin now, but He still loves us. I've been alive for 36 years, and I've been sinning for 36 years, and yet He still loves me, a sinner. And some of you, you have a lot more years. And He still loves you. Why save sinful people? Who puts up with sinful people like that? Why would a perfect God who who has no beginning and has no end, who is the creator of all creation, who created time and space itself, who by His power upholds everything, a God who needs nothing from anyone, as it says in Acts 17, 24-25, the God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is He served by human hands, as if... As though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Why would God save people through faith in Jesus who have rejected him and his ways and then keep them in his family even when they still sin against him? Just as Psalm 51, 3-4 says, For I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before me against you, only you, Have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight? Well, guess what? Paul answers that question. Which is our title today. Why God saves sinners. And he answers it. He answers it in a very fascinating way that should cause our minds to pause and hearts maybe to skip a beat as long as they keep beating. Make us gasp a bit. With what he tells us. Because at least in my opinion, what Paul says in verse 7 is astonishing. And this is, our, this is the only verse we're going to go over today. So we're going to look at the first part of verse 7. We're going to look at verse 7 as a whole, but verse 7, the first part, and see what truth unravels before our eyes. Paul says in verse 7, So that in the coming ages he might show. Stop. Here, right there. What you have here is Paul setting us all up for something big. So he is grabbing our attention because just here in the beginning, you have Paul saying God wanted to show something about himself. God wanted to show something not once, not something that would be for a moment and then gone. No, God wanted to show something that would go on for eternity. He did not want this thing to be a private thing, not something that was supposed to be kept hush-hush. Or something that we look at and be like, oh, how nice. And then we move on to something bigger and greater. No, by saying in the coming ages, Paul is saying that God wants to continually demonstrate something for all to see throughout time. All the ages. The here and now and the forevermore. God wants all of creation to make much of it, to be in awe of it, to speak of it, to dwell on it, to look upon it every day. So whatever this is, what we can get from the text, from this point, this is something we need to pay attention to because, I mean, if it's important enough for, you know, God to show and display it, whatever this is, throughout all time, it probably should be important to us. Just saying. 
I mean, it's definitely something we don't want to get wrong or obscure or make little of because, I mean, this is something that we will be seeing forever and ever and ever and ever in the coming ages. What is it? What Paul says next is something that is perplexing and uplifting all at the same time that throws me back in my chair and say, oh, God, you're so merciful. God wants to show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God wants the world. He wants all to see. He wants the angels above, the demons below, all from the past and all who will come in the future for all eternity, not just to see His graciousness or His grace, but to see the immeasurable riches of His grace. The absolute vastness of His grace towards us in Christ Jesus. One person summed up God's great grace that is over us as, we partake of a grace that, can nev- that could never be exhaust- exhausted from a fullness that can never be emptied through a love that can never be measured. This brings us to our first and only point of today. Why God saves sinners? To make His grace known. God wants to show, He wants to demonstrate, He wants all to know how gracious He is. But notice, notice how all are supposed to see it. What's being used so all can see? He says, toward us in Christ Jesus. God wants all to see how truly unconditional and bottomless His grace is over us. He wants all the cosmic audience of all time to look at you and see His surpassing wealth of grace demonstrated on you by the giving of His Son for you. God wants people to see That he's not just some far away God that doesn't care for the world he created. Who is on a course to punish everything and everyone. Now though he will punish and do justice, hell will be eternal. It is eternal and people will go there as punishment. That is not the only thing he wants all to see. He wants to expose That he is a kind and gracious God, as Jonah reluctantly said in Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. I knew you are a gracious gracious God and, and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. Think about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 7 for a moment. God saved you so that his immeasurable grace his immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward you in Jesus will be seen through you. Let me get personal. Look, your sin, your lust, your pride, your perversion, your addictions, your envy, your, your strife, your anger, your hate, all these things that you end up doing in your life. You're like, no, I don't. Yes, you do. Those harsh words, those wretched thoughts, 
those despicable emotions that you have rising up, or that you will have rising up in future when you start watching something, those crude jokes that you make, that hypocrisy that you do, I'm not a hypocrite, you're already a hypocrite by, not say, by saying that. All those good things that you have not done or the good things that you should do, but you ignore them because you don't have time. This passage says, God sent his son to die for you so you can be with him through faith in him so that you can become a trophy of his grace that will be displayed forevermore. God sees you now as his public display of his immeasurable riches of grace to the world. You are his trophy of grace wherever you go. You represent his immeasurable grace within whatever you do. You reveal that God is fully and passionately determined to give you just grace upon grace even when you sin. Romans 5.20 says, But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Let me be blunt. No matter how messed up your life is, you only reveal God's grace in your life through faith in Jesus. No matter what sins you have committed or are hiding from the rest of us now, if you have faith in Christ, you are a trophy of His grace. This verse is all about God's ultimate purpose in saving us. It was to display His grace for all to see His grace. That's why we exist. That is our purpose, to glorify Him by having His grace shine through. We live in the gospel of God's grace, and all that we do or say is always in this Phrase of, I'm not good enough to get into heaven, but the one whom I believe in is, and he will get me there by trusting in him alone. So the implications of this is incredible, because what you have here is Paul saying, you, in your current state, with all your sins, are seen as a public display of the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. This verse should be an absolute relief to our souls because it says God is making sure we stay in His grace because He wants all the world to see how gracious He is. Do you get that? I messed up. I give you more grace. I did this wrong. More grace comes. He wants people to glorify Him and say what a gracious God He is to save someone like you. This passage says, your sins expose His grace, so don't fret about them, for we are secure by faith in Christ alone, so just rest in Him, and God will take care of all of it for you. How deep is the Father's love for us? How amazing His grace over us to give us His Son over broken, sinful people, so we can be with him as his children in eternity. I mean, so now what are the practical implications of that then? 
But when you go deeper into seeing how amazing this grace of God is, this gospel message, and you dwell on it, and you're chewing on it, making a meal of it, you know what happens? It reveals to your face the state of your heart. It exposes it and says, here, this is what your heart looks like. And this is what I mean. If you think because your sin exposes God's never-ending grace over you as his trophy, so that now then that gives you this license or reason to do all the sin that you want, like lying, lusting, having intercourse outside of marriage, getting drunk, getting intoxicated, being unloving to people you don't like or care for because you, they're, just, they're bad people. Being a racist, being judgmental, being rude, belittling your wife, your husband, your kids. Feeling entitled to all things because, you know, that's what you need. Making much of yourself over others. Making fun of people who you disagree with. Holding a grudge and not forgiving people because they hurt you and they, they're, they're horrible people. Holding on to people's mistakes and using it over them as a way to control them and bring vengeance upon, upon them. And the list can go on and on and on. If you think that what was said today means you can just freely sin, my friend, your heart has been exposed and you need Christ. For God's grace is our safety net when we fall into those things. Struggle with those things. It is not a commission to go and do those things. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 2. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? So if that is where your heart is, you need to go to Jesus by faith in Him now and repent of your sins. And He will willingly take you into His arms and forgive you and love you. Or, if you have faith in Christ and you have been starting to become comfortable with your sins, you know, certain sins in your life, and now you're realizing it, your heart has been pricked. Know that Christ is there with open and loving arms saying, come to Him by faith, turn away from those sins, for He only has grace for you. But here's the thing. It doesn't stop there. Dwelling upon the gospel of God's grace also reveals something else in our hearts. It reveals if we are trusting in ourselves or starting to trust in ourselves, trusting in following the laws to get us into heaven in addition to Christ, trusting in yourself, to earn the blessings of God rather than trusting in Christ alone and what He has earned for you. Because as you might have heard about the grace of God, your heart may have been saying the words, yes, faith, but you got to. Yes, faith, but you have to. But, 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 but grace. Look, there is only grace through faith and nothing else. It is grace alone through faith alone and Jesus alone leaving everything else alone. If you think there is anything that you can bring to the Lord or trust in outside of Jesus Christ and His perfect performance on your behalf for your salvation or for His blessings, your heart is being exposed. 
Like if you think, well, I've stopped certain sins in my life. I've been doing really good things with my life. I've been praying a lot more. I've been reading the Bible a lot more. I've been evangelizing more. I've been offering more of my finances, offering more of my time to the Lord. I've been loving my neighbor more and so on and so on and so on. If you think your progression in doing Christian things is what saves you and keeps you saved in addition to faith in Christ. Or if you think by doing Christian things, you are earning blessings by doing good things such as these. If you think you need to do those things to be a Christian, to be saved, to stay saved, and earn blessings before God, along with grace through faith alone in Jesus, my friend, you need to look at your heart before the Lord and repent of anything that you have been trusting in to get you into heaven along with Jesus. It's only Jesus and nothing else. See, the more we dwell upon God's grace, the more we grow, the more we mature, the more we depend upon Him. And we stop depending upon our performance before Him so then we can have more rest in Jesus. The more we dwell upon God's grace over us, the more we repent of our sins. Just as Romans 2.4 says, God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. So this is why we make much of the gospel of God's grace. Because God himself makes much of it and will make much of it throughout all time. For it's by grace we grow in him and by grace we become conformed to the image of his son. For our purpose is to exist in glorifying God as his trophies of grace for the world to see. To see how great and merciful and gracious our God is. And and that they too, the world can come to know this glorious, gracious God too. Because if He can save you, and He can save me, with all our sins, He surely can save them from their own sins. So let us never forget that. Let us never forget the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. So we don't end up falling more into sin, but flee our sins and run to Jesus by faith in Him so we can see His power of grace manifested in our lives. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before You today in total need of Your grace every day. We need Thee every hour. Oh, Lord, help us repent of us thinking we don't need you every hour, that we can do it on our, by ourselves, that we got it, we got it handled. Lord, every time we think we got it handled, we fall more into sin because we start saying, Jesus, we don't need you. God, I pray if there's people here suffering with relationship issues, suffering from guilt, maybe some, some dealing with whatever, maybe job issues, people, Lord, or sufferings on their own that they're not even speaking about, whatever that may be, God, go to them and remind them that you got them, you love them, you care for them, and it's okay. You're going to bring them to you no matter what, and nothing's going to stop that. Give them encouragement. Remind them that you love them. God, I pray that too, if people have been trusting in something else rather than you, that they repent of that and they run back to the cross. And God, I pray if someone doesn't know you today, that today be the day that they give up their life to you.
and submit to you saying, I am a sinner in need of your grace. Oh God, thank you for your love and mercy that we treat so common and we take for granted. Help us not do such things in our life, but to always point to you what you did for us in your son. Amen.